<clears throat> right, come on, let's get a bit of energy in. Let's get a bit of energy in, mate. How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I'm Sam Williams and it is a great privilege to introduce my foursomes partner of last weekend, Bruce Fitzpatrick, to the pod. Hello. How are we doing, mate? I'm excellent, actually. Excellent. How are you? Yeah, I'm all the better for this new microphone I'm wielding, the new Mm. SM58. So a bit of investment in Jar HQ last few weeks, something handheld, um, yeah. I'm sticking with the old one. Um, oh, yeah. I think I think you're actually a bit loud when you did hello and welcome back. I think it may be a little bit of reverberation there, but you know, new bit of equipment, new toy takes a bit of time to get used to uh, how it all works. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Anyway, we were down at Burnham and Barrow last weekend. I thought we'd do a little course diaries podcast today. So, um, Bruce, why don't you fill us in on what we were doing down at Burnham, who we we're representing, and what it was all about? There you go. No messing around straight into it. So we were down at Burnham and Barrow for the rescheduled Brent Knoll Bowl, um, which is a foursome, scratch foursomes competition played at Burnham every year, typically in March. Um, but obviously with, with COVID and the lockdown, um, it was cancelled in 2020. And then it was this, this year's version was um, pushed back to August. So um, yeah, we went down, we were representing the Wiggles Golfing Society, weren't we? Um, so it's teams of six, three foursomes pairings, um, scratch foursomes golf, match play, um, knockout competition, pretty straightforward, really, in terms of a format, um, just straight up gritty match play. Um, so we went down on Friday for a bit of an early sighter, didn't we? Took it, took yeah, it fairly a bit seriously. Of a round. It was our debut in the event, wasn't it? That, you know, you and I, um, the Wiggons have won it a couple of times um, in the 70 year history, it's about that. It's about 70 yeah, year history of the like event. That, yeah. um, but our first run out for them, which was which was a real honor to, to get the call up. Um, and so we had headed down on Friday, which is usually what is it, an hour and 40 minutes from where we are? Hour in and 40, yeah. Yeah, you think so? It's probably probably the closest, normally the closest links course, I'd say, to where we are. Um, but clearly, I mean, a lot of other people had the same idea. So we were stuck on the M5 for the most torturous journey took, ended up taking over three hours, rushed onto the tee, played a few holes. Didn't we got a bit of a practice round in and then golf was a bit dicey, wasn't it on the yeah. Friday? If we're going to be honest, I think we both hit a few wipes uh, in the afternoon. So we're going out as a six and the team of six playing a little bit of a foursomes practice before the matches start on Saturday and the draw. Um, I mean, kick it off with a course. I, I feel like maybe I was, it's been probably three or four years since I'd played Burnham. Um, having played an awful lot of Lynx golf over the last few years, I was going back to it thinking, yeah, it's a nice enough course, but probably I was pretty, you know, nonplussed about Burnham going in. Really? Yeah, I think I probably gave a bit of a harsh time. I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. There's some there's some good holes. Mm. There's some bad holes. It's it's okay. And then I came away from the event and thought, yeah, that was a poor take. <laughs> It's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. way wider the mark. I went down thinking, yeah, this this is a good, this is a really really good golf course, really good test of golf. You've played it before, haven't you? You've yeah, I've played there in the past. Played it a couple of times. Um, yeah, and and uh, I think it is a great test. Um, we obviously saw it in slightly different conditions. So Saturday morning, 
I mean, the forecast, we were there while they were doing the draw on the Friday night. And it's nice, actually, because obviously there's 16 teams. Um, you know, there's the consolation plate competition, is it? Uh, yeah, so I think if you get knocked out in the you, morning, yeah. you go into a buy 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 knockout only for the plate. And if you go out at yeah. that well, you're playing a stable third. So I mean you want to stay in the competition for sure. Yeah. So it is very competitive, but it's a good social mix as well. So you have the the odd team putting a bet on themselves or on other teams, sort of hedging it on on a Friday night. But we were looking at the forecast thinking this is going to be horrific. And we did get well, I mean, we did get pretty wet saturday morning it wasn't as bad as it could have been i also think in foursomes you have a bit more of a chance to get you know have have some breathing room and kind of get everything in order waterproof wise um and yeah i mean it's playing it playing it when it was kind of wet but fairly calm and then on the sunday when the conditions the the wind picked up a bit and it was a bit more dicey with the wind that was cool to see how the course you know played is differently like any links course does really plays differently with those those different winds just switching a little bit on saturday and then picking up in a completely different direction on on sunday um but it was i mean it was good fun wasn't it i mean our first time playing foursomes golf in a in a competitive a more competitive setting i guess like that together as a pair um and it was yeah it, it was really enjoyable yeah, I, I mean, I'd go so far as to say it's possibly the most fun I've had on the golf course in, in the last year. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think you can probably get carried away with thinking playing a lot of golf, it's not about score. And actually, it's about company and having a good time. And it is. And the company was great. We had a great laugh. The mm-hmm. guys we played against from Old Shaburnians, Leather Jackets, we played the RAF in the semi final, who actually went on to win. And obviously, we got knocked out in the morning. Amazing company, all great guys. But there is something about scratch foursomes mm. match play that for me is like, yeah, that is the, that really is the greatest format of the game. I think if you're playing well and the matches are close, I think it's really hard to beat that. I thought that was outstanding fun. Like you, mm. you're really focused, you know, there's a team dynamic that makes, you know, you're not on your own. It's not isolating. You're supporting your partner. Sometimes it's just as much fun chipping mm. out of the, buckthorn or wherever you put me on the on the 30 on the 12th hole on the sunday morning and wrestling something out of there with a with a 58 degree as it is mm. flagging an iron from like 150 or whatever so mm. yeah i thought it was just amazing fun really really enjoyable um gave me a real kind of it was just kind of a nice reminder i think of good quality match play golf and how much i've missed that yeah, I think the, the team dynamic, though, as you rightly point out, is, is huge to it because obviously we, so we had our our kind of pairing set by by midway through the round on Friday, and we kind of knew going in we were probably going to play together. And we'd go off, as it were, in the three matches we played. We were always off third as the sort of anchor. That make us the anchor, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the thinking behind an anchor pairing? Is that like we've got that one banked? Is that their thinking? Well, no, no. The idea is if it gets dicey. I mean, you know, assuming which ended up not to be the case, but assuming that the matches are all pretty close and they go down to the final match, then if you know what the stakes are, um, the anchor pairing should, should be capable of dealing with that, that pressure and, um, you know, closing it out if they need to, which it didn't end up, it didn't, didn't end up falling that way though, did it? I mean, obviously we, we were fortunate. We, we played very well on Saturday morning and, and won the match there fairly handily and then walked up to see how our other two pairings were getting on. Our second match had, um, or our first match out had had sadly lost, um, and then it all came down to the second Wigglesworth pairing, who 
you know, a one up playing the 17th. And then we watched them play 17 and 18, just about hang on for us to go through two one. But what's great is obviously you play, you play to a conclusion. So people say it's the same as the, the Halford Hewitt, the, is that the old boys tournament? I've never actually mm. played in, but, but down at deal and, uh, Royal St. George's, it's the same idea there and that you have to play to a conclusion. So, um, bit of bit of drama wasn't there with the, one of the teams i think millfield playing the old old millfieldians who were playing yeah, the yeah. leather jackets on saturday um were i think they, I think won, they, the, won, they won the win, first match won the first yeah. game and then they were two up with three to play in the remaining in two both games. of the other yeah. two matches yeah they ended up halving both those matches and then losing both of those matches in sudden, in the sudden death playoff, so you're going to feel quite, like shit there. Yeah, quite dramatic, but, but yeah, it's just you know, there's no no half points in this format, which is quite cool. You know, it gives you a bit of hope, isn't it? You can always, even if you door me down, you know, all you got to do is, is just cling on, and then you can win it on the on the sudden death. So, um, I mean, it is it is just a great sort of format because when you're in that team environment, and it's not just you as a pairing, but you know, there's a couple of other pairs out there and there's six of you down there. You're just, you're pulling for the team, aren't you? You're so yeah. desperate to play well and, and get a point for your team. Not just and stay in the, stay in the match, yeah. yeah. Stay, stay in the, the knockout. And it's gritty, isn't it? It's gritty as hell. I think it would be remiss not to talk about the weather on Saturday morning, which was, I mean, it wasn't as bad as build, but I mean, it was pretty horrendous for a good eight mm. or nine holes. So you knew going out, you were going to get wet. Waterproofs. I think I had nine gloves folded up in a bag, good to go. I was like, you know, I'm not getting caught out by the rain. I even went as far as to rent a trolley with an umbrella stand, an electric trolley. I don't know what your take was on this, Bruce, but I felt like I looked like a non-golfer for those first 10 holes with with, with my performance with the trolley. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't really know that that people could find using an electric trolley so challenging. I, I didn't. I never thought... You know, when people talk about the goal, the game of golf, and it's a difficult sport to play, and you know, it requires a lot of practice, and 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 it's just you know such a sort of fine motor skill. I've never heard anyone talk about the challenges of golf being based around the equipment <laughs> and actually moving a trolley around the course because you'd think it's fairly, it's actually fairly straightforward. I mean, even these new electric ones, I don't use an electric trolley um, when I do trolley. I just use a, a manual like push one, but even the electric ones are fairly intuitive. But um, yeah, I mean, you must have tipped over your bag and and I think five six times. In yeah, a good a holes. good handful of times. Yeah, it was getting embarrassing, wasn't it? Really, I was I was really tempted of walking across to about the twelfth, leaving the electric trolley there and just carrying the bag because it was really irritating. Um, but no, I felt really embarrassed. Luckily, my golf was was okay in the morning and held up. Otherwise, it would have been a real. I think that helped. It was a bit, as you say, yeah. a bit of a distraction. You know, you weren't thinking too much about about your swing or or <laughs> how you were playing instead you were just thinking of trying to actually transport 14 clubs and all your accessories from yeah. from one hole to the next without spilling it all so um yeah that that was quite entertaining to watch um, what was your take on the course then so mm. you know idea behind course dives a bit of a bit of a kind of a take i guess on on burnham I, i've kind of already offered up there an opinion i i went in probably without many memories of the place i think i've played it two or three times yeah I don't remember playing great when I've played it. The weather's always been fairly mixed. So that's probably um, played into your yeah. initial assessment going So I just didn't shed. really have any expectations. Mm. And, you know, 
kind of looking at the club's history pages and you look there and you think, yeah, Christ, you know, Fowler did some work there in the early 1900s. Colt's done a whole ton of work. There's obviously that whole J.H. Taylor legacy from when he yeah. was the professional there and the Greek keeper of the green. Um, I think McKenzie did a little bit of consulting there before World War II. Um, like, it's a star-studded cast of, of the Golden Age greats, really. Mm. Um, and I, I thought there was a lot of really good goal poles. What was your take on the course? Yeah, as I say, I think it is a, it's really varied and there's some great par threes in particular that stand out. I think um, the fifth, um, which obviously, you know, you teed off five, seven, sorry, five, nine and 17, all really strong par threes. Um, I played 12 and 14. I mean, 12 is obviously a temporary par three at the moment because that's been extensively redesigned. It's usually a long par four and it's, it's been made longer um, and has been built up on the left-hand side, these dunes, like incredible work and a few standy waste areas that have been put in by um, Mackenzie and Ebert, who I understand are like the consulting architects at the moment. And that hole is going to be fantastic. But even in the current, I, I understand that for at least the sort of past 12 months or so, maybe a bit longer, it's been played as a long par three, um, just to allow that new fairway and the new kind of dunes on the left to properly take and, and um, you know, make sure that they're all, good to go when when it's finally open for play but the par three in its place is a great hole um it's awesome isn't it the mm, three really, is really incredible good. you stand on that ninth tee and you've got i, I want to say like maybe six or seven bunkers just beautiful round revetted pop bunkers around the green yeah huge runoff down the left and you're like yeah this is this is pretty much as good a par three as you can play it's the optimal distance for a par mm. three in my opinion it's about 160 ish yards you can move it forward and backwards from there but it just plays as a perfect hole and you know, the fifth, again, it's just an incredible par three. They're, they're just really nice golf holes. And, and mm. I think both of those are, are cult, cult, cult holes from what I understand, uh, at least. Good par yeah. fours as well. Like a good, you yeah. know, good, some good challenging par fours that are mixed. I mean, there's a couple there that are um, probably quite close to drivable, which, yeah. you know, gives you a chance to, to have a go <laughs> 16, at them. 16, nice segue. <laughs> well, that's not what I was getting at, but, you know... <laughs> you always think there's an ulterior motive here don't you no <laughs> there's a good mixture of, of of short you know strategic par fours but then you've also got a few that are like fairly long brutes that are 430 mm. 440 plus to fairly tight landing areas and obviously again they play even harder if they're into the prevailing wind so holes like maybe um six or seven as well i mean seven actually to be fair I think it's probably the weakest hole on the course. I, I, but I don't also know. the hardest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a cha- it's a challenging one that kind of you're playing across that fairway and you've got obviously the hazard on the right and then a pot bunker and then sort of the marami grass little bits in the fairway, um, which are quite nice features. But just, yeah, actually for me, I didn't, I didn't rate that hole all that much, but six great long challenging par four. Um, 12, when that's open, will be a really good challenging par four. And then 11 too, I mean, that's a great, green i think because it's so narrow and so well bunkered but actually there's a lot of room sort of front to back so it's just a it's just a great test i think um i thought the, the some of the i mean the long holes are quite good as well i think that the fives particularly 13 i don't remember 13 being anything like as long because i think mm. every day i absolutely slotted drive and you were you were out of range and, and you know you were you know you're sending that forward of yours a, a fairly handy distance yeah, but it's a really good golf hole that like it's a really, you know, even the layup shots tough. And then playing in the afternoon with the leather jackets who are essentially the local society of um, foursomes golfers. You know, I think it was Neil who was who was saying, 
yeah, it's, you know, the work that Eben and Kenzie have done here, they've built the dune up at the back of the green. They've reshaped the green site, which you can see. And at the back, you know, mm. they've kind of built up the fescue behind it. So it kind of obstructs the view of some, some house roofs in the distance. You're like, yeah, that's actually really intelligent, the way this has been put together. Um, just some nice finishing touches. It's a very low stroke index as well, surprisingly, for a, for a par five, which you don't you don't normally see. And I think that's a combination of the length, but also, as you were saying, like it's very, very well protected up by the green. So you might have a shot. I think I had a couple of shots in from what, like 280 or so that you gave me. And you're just thinking, well, I could try and run something or get something pretty close to the green here. But if I miscue this, it is nothing to aim at. Lost ball. And so why would you do that? You know, when it's kind of there's a know, really generous layout from 180 mm. isn't there if you want to shot him from 180 190 is a really generous layout. that's okay there. yeah um which really that that's the essence of a, of a good good par five there it's like do you want to have a really challenging third shot in or do you want to take this on and, and really and I, yeah I, I i really enjoyed the course i thought it was fabulous i think you know some of those holes i would agree with what you said about seven i feel like six is a great par four and the green site on eight is is fabulous but mm. then you to get to that point, you almost have to cover quite a bit of low, lower ground. And the channel course off to the left is all on that kind of it's a little bit more marshier. There's like kind of reeds mm. and a little bit of low, low line water and stuff. And you feel like they've naturally got to cover quite difficult ground. And I think that means, you know, 17 would be the, the weaker hole. Um, and I, mean, I only say that tougher for. Yeah, I only say that because it just maybe stands out a little bit from you know, one where you're kind of playing through some crashing dunes a bit too, as well, you know, elevated. There's, it's very, very well framed with the dunes and um, 15 again, like crashing dunes all around the drive, kind of semi-blind tee shot or, or totally blind tee shot, in fact. And then 17 and 18 as well. There's there's some real character there. And uh, yeah, I, I just said that because I think seven stands out as being a bit flat, as you say, playing through the marshland. But um, it's, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Bernard Barrow and, um, definitely encourage anyone to to go and play it particularly if you haven't seen um the new bits of work that have that have been done by uh, Mackenzie and Eber and uh some of the new changes on on holes like 12 and 13 as you say yeah I, I agree and and also the only thing I'd just add on the course I think those closing stretch playing match play golf really good closing holes as well like mm. proper half pars 16 drivable par four um 17 two you know kind of 200 yard par three over a huge ravine you know dramatic kind of heroic heroic golf hole and 18 is really kind of how much do you want to bite off of the of the dog leg with your drive which is you know all kind of feeds in i thought it was great um clubhouse brilliant building amazing building and the guys mm. behind the bar there so jack funnily enough you know you, you it's rare you go to a club and you're like oh yeah i recognize the the steward from a few years ago but yeah special shout out to jack had a good chat <laughs> with him about travels to america and stuff and the guys um really looked after us um uh, only other kind of brief things be little shout out to the unofficial sponsor of the weekend, which I think has to be Jelson Holmes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we acquired this golf ball on the way around and it just stuck with us, didn't it? Yeah. On the Fridays, we both had the best part of three and a half hours, I reckon in the car. So there was a few stiff swings, you know, when you're kind of running to the tee box, to try and make your practice around tea time, putting a shoe on and, you know, zipping up your waterproof trousers at the same time um yeah it's all a little bit we we're all a little bit flustered weren't we so I made a couple of couple of loose swings early on in that front nine you stupidly put on waterproof trousers with nothing underneath them and it soon got to like 30 degree temperatures and you were just burning up so you had to run back to get a pair of shorts 
and then run another 500 yards back from the clubhouse or probably, yeah, more than that, actually, because we're on the third tee by then. So you were a little bit flustered. I was, yeah, hit a couple of crap drives too. So we, we, I think we'd fired through a couple of tailor-made balls early on and we just thought, well, Sammy, I mean, you took the initiative. You thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this ball in play here. And it was a, a nice Jelson Holmes Pro V, wasn't it? It was Which almost a watershed well. moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that was the watershed moment in the weekend. It got us out of just shelling TP5s into the into the dunes. <laughs> just kind of gave, gave me a little bit of confidence. Um, but yeah, no, I... I, I think kind of wanted to record a short podcast just because, you know, I think for one, the, the format is, it was just a really good reminder of how good foursomes golf can mm. be. I love the format anyway, but particularly that, that kind of knockout um, match play environment is just, there's just such a great team vibe, isn't there? And yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was just stellar fun. Really enjoyed it with you, mate. And uh, Likewise. Yeah, I thought it was quite, quite cool. So uh, I'll tell you what, it would be key. I'd be keen to know if there are, you know, many other, um, scratch match play foursomes events like that out there. As I mentioned earlier, you know, Halford Hewitt, I've, I've never played it. Have, have you ever played in that, Sam? I mean, we hear a lot about it, don't we? Because I've played the Grafton Morris, which is right. another one. So, yeah, so, so that's I mean, a schools one. But... Yeah, so like the public schools foursome stuff is really popular. There's quite a big scene in that. There's obviously the Brent Knoll Bowl's got some of the other foursome society and it has a massive representation mm. from the armed services. So I think on the semi-finals, I think we were the we only were the, one. Yeah. We were the only non-forces. So we played against the RAF who eventually took on the winners of the army and the Navy. And I think the RAF beat the, beat the army in the finals. Congratulations. And it's always nice to lose to the eventual winner. I guess that's the silver lining, but it's not something that's that popular. Like you say, I'd be really keen to know what else exists in that yeah. space. Cause you know, it, it's highly manageable to get a team of six together of good golfers for good scratch foursomes golf. And there must be more of it out there um, mm. beyond those ones we talked about. I'd be really keen to know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, ma- match play as well um, lends itself to that kind of nice competitive social blend. I think, you know, playing stroke play foursomes. I mean, that's, that's again, ratcheted up a bit more because I think foursomes, partic- I'm particularly found it quite a sort of, a good fun, but also challenging format too, because obviously you don't want to put your partner in the crap and you can't necessarily build up as much of a rhythm. So I think match play is quite a nice format to play in that respect. I know there's a few foursomes stroke play events or opens out there, but yeah, I'd just be be really keen to know um, if there's many other events like that out there and uh, yeah, you know, what else you guys have have played in. And It's just really tactical as well, isn't it? So when you're on the tee, you know, you want to, you want to be on the tee box first, you know, you want to kind of be able to control the game, but if you're not, you want to, you know, you want to, when you're up against it, you feel like you want to just stay in the hole and at least make them two part. And I think, you know, obviously you've played a lot of match play golf, things like, you know, Rye and stuff, you know, you, you've, you know, it's quite interesting where you sort of bouncing ideas and saying like, let's just, let's just force a two putt here. Or, you know, even in the afternoon on the first, it was like, they'd bombed their first drive down the middle. I wanted to make sure that we were hitting the second shot first off the first. So I wanted to make sure I hang back from, mm. from them, you know, so that you've got a good look at the green yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. put them under a bit of pressure and that, that yielded fruit as well. So. Um, yeah. I, I think on a 340 yard par three, it is always, it always, it is always the play to just top one about 50 yards <laughs> and try and just try and just, add a bit of add something quite interesting there and try and make the, the partner hit the green from 290 and unsettle them i think that emotional roller coaster as you say if you put the oppo 
through got an him on the run, roller coaster. It? Yeah, it's just it scramble scrambles the brain a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> that was definitely the low point for me was topping it in front of the clubhouse off the first day. <laughs> Having played really good golf together in the morning, and yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, As you say, we won the whole. We did. We did win the whole. Yeah, there's yeah. no pictures on the scorecard, are there? <laughs> so I would be really keen if people want to get in touch with any other um, scratch foursomes events they played in, uh, particularly match play team events that is uh, certainly interesting but we hope you've enjoyed the pod as i say course diaries it's fair to say it's an ever-evolving um mm. beast um Definitely. nice talking about different courses we play on the travels hope you've enjoyed and uh until then this. adios